Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Matt Rory. This is Careless Whispers, and you have not heard this in over a month. Calvin Chamberlain, my co-host as always. Sir, it's been a long time for us. Yeah, and it's been my fault entirely. I'll, I'll bite the bullet on this one. Usually, it's like you have some sort of equestrian event or something that, that <laughs> precludes us doing our show. But I've had sort of some technical issues for the last month or so that have kept us off the air, unfortunately. So I'm glad to be back. Are you glad to be back? I'm glad to be back. I think we have a good show lined up tonight. I think it's going to sound good. And if all goes to to plan, uh, we'll keep going weekly again and uh, we'll see how this works out. But yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's, I feel a little rusty, I guess. I haven't been on the air, but this is perfect timing because the Celtics preseason started last night and post game shows are coming right around the corner. So what better time to get back on the air on CLNS radio than right now? Uh, you can call us tonight if you want at three, two, three, six, four, two, one, four, eight, four. And if you're checking us out in the morning, I assume you caught us on iTunes or on uh, wherever else we are. Our app, probably. Our mobile app, the CLNS Radio mobile app, because you can get that in your Google Play Store and in iTunes as well. So if you're not listening to us on BTR, you're straight coming from our app, and that's great. So tell your friends. Um we start with the Celtics because that's what we traditionally do around here. And it's a quick, it's going to be a quick one here. I'm just going to be patting myself on the back a little bit. Just it's been a while since I've been on the air. I, I did call Igor's show and say things of this nature as well. Um, but when Jalen Brown was drafted, people wanted comparisons about what type of NBA player he was. And I just always said, he reminds me of Jay Crowder, and it's not just because I, I, I see Crowder all the time. It, I, he just he reminds me of Crowder as far as the type of player that he could be, and his athleticism is, is far surpassing Crowder's. So just the other day, I said that on Igor's show two weeks ago. I said it on our show a month ago. Just the other day, Jay Crowder said that Jalen Brown is everything that he wanted to be at that age. So I tell you, Calvin, that this kid is going to fit right in. He's going to get playing time. He's going to give Jay Crowder a a boost. And he's also going to uh, give him some time to rest as well, because we all know how hard Jay Crowder goes and he gets banged up. I'm happy to see Jalen Brown fitting in with this with this team right now and I just wanted to make it known again that before people start writing their articles about how Jalen Brown and Jay Crowder are similar NBA players and they're going to be a perfect match for each other you heard it here first on Careless Whispers on CLNS Radio right after he was drafted that's it, that's all for me can I, can I just jump in with the devil's advocate because it, it, I feel like the statement would be because that's boring. what you do <laughs> well I mean I don't. I don't know the answer to this question. I haven't. I have not seen enough of Jalen Brown. I've seen highlights of Jalen Brown. Uh, I've seen you know a little bit of his college play, but I haven't seen him. I didn't watch that preseason game. Uh, the preseason game that I was scheduled to do on Thursday now canceled. Mm-hmm. Programming note: which, mm-hmm. There will be no post game show for the Thursday uh, preseason Celtic game. So, the point is, I don't know the answer to this, but but, but what it appears to me 
I feel like Jalen Brown is not that similar to Jay Crowder, other than size. And the reason I say that is, is isn't isn't the whole thing with Jalen Brown supposed to be his athleticism? That's all we hear about with this guy, right? He's a high flyer. Right, so that's what, that's what my caveat always was, though, that he's obviously more athletic than Crowder, but I think that his game in general is going gonna, is gonna to look a lot like Jay Crowder's. He's going to be a high flyer at, at the same time. Well, I mean, that's like saying, like, you know, uh, Shaq and Steph Curry have some similar games because they both play basketball. It's like, yeah, they're, they're, except in this case, even more so because they're around, they're around the same height. I'm just saying. So I'm not exactly sure then what do you say, what you're saying when you say he's similar to Jay Crowder if you're saying that he's his athleticism is is significantly his, his, better. His athleticism surpasses Crowder, but he's going to be able to guard multiple positions like Crowder does. I think he's going to hustle like Jay Crowder does. I think he's going to have a nose for the ball like Crowder seems to, and I, I think that his his jump shot is not that great, and neither is Crowder's. But the and that's the one thing where if Jalen Brown can get himself acclimated to the NBA quickly, he's, he might even look like a better player than Crowder at times because of his athleticism. <laughs> but I, all I'm saying is that before the com- comparison started between these two, I had it first. Pat myself on the back. How's his handle? I feel like Jay Crowder not the best handle either. Exactly. That's another thing. There you go. Neither one of them is, is, a, is a great dribbler. Jalen Brown's not going to be able to really get to the basket. They had him moving off the ball a lot last night in that preseason game from what I saw. He had a pretty nice dunk on a drive to the hoop, but it was off of a feed um, from, I can't even remember, Marcus Smart maybe tossing the ball. Um, but either way, he, he looks like a slasher and he, he doesn't have a great handle. So that's another comparison that makes me think that they're pretty similar. Keep them coming. All right. Well, I tell you, I'll, I'll tell you what, I'll keep an open mind with this. I, I feel, I feel like you're, I feel like you're stretching for this one. Just, just, that's just my basic reaction, but I don't, I haven't seen enough of him to know yet. I'll, uh, I'll get back to you on this one. All right. The Celtics love him. They love this kid. They're pumping him up. He's going to be the, the first Celtics rookie in a long time. To, to make an impact on the court so do you, throughout the do you season, think, I think. Do you think that he will be uh, supplanting Jay Crowder as a starter at some point no, during the season? No, I don't believe that. I think Crowder has solidified himself as the as the veteran already, and he's he's going to be the starter. But uh, don't be surprised if Brown is your sixth man, first first one off the bench uh, at times during the, during the season with Marcus Smart right behind him. So – now I just feel like we're sort of going down the road with Celtic top topics because I'm wondering now with Jalen Brown being the sixth man, essentially what you're saying is is he's going to be sort of in in at least as far as minutes go in the Evan Turner role. Do you worry about? You talked about how he's not a ball handler. Are you worried? Well, you know, preliminary worry right now about ball handling on this team. Yes or no? Well, no, because I guess what it really comes down to is that there's not going to be a straight up sixth man anymore. I don't think that, but he's going to get a, a lot of minutes at the at the uh, two three spot. Terry Rozier is going to get a ton of those ball handling minutes that Evan Turner. Uh, had last year, and I think Marcus Smart is going to try and take a little bit of that too. But the Celtics are really going to rely heavily on Rozier uh, to get to do the ball handling. So uh, Brown is really going to be more of a relief for Crowder. So he may not get the, a ton of minutes early on, but if there if there becomes a point where Crowder gets winded or Stevens thinks that he needs a day or something to to take 
some time and he only plays in 15, 16 minutes, then you're going to see Jalen Brown step into that role. Because I don't really think that they have anybody else that's going to be able to impact the game in a in, in a really positive way. I mean, you, you look at the other guys on the team, if you want to talk about veterans, I mean, it's really Jonas Jarebko. And what kind of a veteran is he? Tyler Zeller's not even doesn't play the position. So, you know, it's it's basically Brown's job to lose, if you ask me, unless the Celtics decide to go small a, a lot, which they did do last year. But you would have to believe with Al Horford as one of their centerpieces now, uh, they are not going to be going too small. Well, I bet you Horford's just going to play center 100% of the time while he's out there, right? They're not going to they're not going to pair him. Do you think that, that they're really maybe not 100%, but like how much pairing are they doing with say Horford and Amir? And even in that case, you could argue or they're not going to they're definitely well, they not pairing. They started together. They they're started not together the other night. Okay, that's fine. Last Bad night. example. Horford and Zeller is probably more of a lot. Yeah, of that's not going to happen. That's I mean, you happen. might, you know, if and when Olenek comes back, whenever that is, that's going to be another piece that jumps into the rotation. But um, as far as the, the wing players are concerned, it, it's Jalen Brown's the, the first man off the bench. It's his job to lose, in my opinion. All right. That was the Celtics talk. Some hot Celtics right. talk this evening. That's some good stuff. Yeah. Uh, I already- I already forgot what we were talking about tonight. No, we're we're talking about more New England stuff here, and you've got oh, yeah. some information about Mr. Rex Ryan and Bill Belichick, uh, and we're going to get into a little bit of Belichick talk too, which that one might take a little bit longer. But what what do you have over there? Yeah, what do you have there, Rex? <laughs> well, that that was like a. It was like through an old CB radio or something that you you played you played that clip. Uh, I could turn it up so, a little bit, but it's still not that loud. I mean, are you? Like, oh, yeah, God, that was really loud. I, I was really talking more about the audio quality. It sounds like you're using yeah, like like Rex Ryan is in your house with a megaphone, speaking into <laughs> your microphone. Uh, <laughs> in any case, so Rory, you don't know about this Rex Ryan story? So, um, I Ryan, don't. I have. I didn't do any. I, I'd rather not know coming on, into a story like this. It sounds pretty outrageous. So go ahead. Yeah, you. Yeah, you like. You like to uh, just come at things fresh. Sometimes I, uh, I respect that because, you know, it's hard sometimes to just formulate an opinion just on the spot. Um, sometimes you don't have opinions on the spot, and then I have to carry the thing myself. But that's neither here nor there. The point is. Right. It's just my style. Is, yeah, that's your style. The point is, is that Rex Ryan, Rory. Uh, after the uh, the the Bills managed to beat the, the the Patriots on Sunday, and you know, good for him, and we'll get to uh, you know Bill Belichick yeah. and what people are saying about him afterward. But he said that that he had sources that told him that uh, Jacoby Brissett was going to be the the starting quarterback for the Patriots, and not Jimmy Garoppolo. That that so he knew going into the game, thanks to his sources. That uh, yeah, that Brissett would be the starter, and that's why he had his team prepared to beat the Patriots. Now, okay, so he's saying that there's a mole. He's saying that there's a mole in the Patriots organization. Yeah. Now, now the the problem with that statement, Rory, is that uh, employees of one team are not allowed to divulge information to employees of another team in the NFL. There's a whole thing against collusion. 
there's a whole thing against conspiracy. Right. Yeah, that, that's basically corporate corporate espionage. So the NFL was going to be basically uh, investigate the scenario and figure out who Rex Ryan's source was. So Rex Ryan, in an attempt to head this off, uh, later came out and said, yeah, I was just joking uh, about having a source telling me that Brissett was going to start. Yep, I was and, just being Rex. Yeah, I, I was just joking, and I was what he what he really said was I was trying to get inside their heads. I was trying to make them try to figure out who the source was, but I was kidding. I respect that. Do you respect that? Um, I I I do, but only because it's Rex Ryan, and he gets away with stuff like this all the time. And the fact that he can do it again, I mean, he's a joker. Everybody, nobody takes him seriously, so. I don't have a problem with him really doing things like that. It's a mind game. Player, uh, coaches do mind game t- type of thing things every week in the NFL. Belichick is, is one of the most notorious for things like that. So I don't, I don't mind it at all. Do you believe him when he says he doesn't actually have a source? Or do you, think that, or do you believe him when he said that he had a source? Uh, I, I would initially not believe him in the in the first regard. I think that that was probably BS. But and he's like hightailing it the other way because he doesn't want to have this investigation opened. And he doesn't want to make look like a fool or something like that. But if the NFL really were doing what they should do and they're doing their due diligence, they would follow up on it anyway. They would investigate it. And regardless of whether they tell the public that they've do, that they've done this or not, if they find nothing, then fair enough. They don't have to say anything, you know. But if they find something, then he's he's on the hook. the the point The point is, I don't I don't think it's true, because regardless of what he says now, they can still do an investigation. And if they think if they thought it was serious in the first place, they probably have already started it or they shouldn't have already started, but knowing the NFL, they'll wait another six to eight months before they start anything. Um, but he has no reason to lie now. And he, he does stupid things and jokes around all the time. So I probably would have just brushed it off if I were the Patriots um, in the first place. Because like you said, they, they know that there's no collusion allowed. I don't, I mean, a lot of people think Rex Ryan is a big, dumb goofball. But he is a decent coach, and he's a respected defensive guy in the NFL. He's not that dumb. He's not just going to come out and admit that he has a spy on the Patriots with the, and take the risk of losing whatever punishment it would be from the NFL for collusion, et cetera. So I just don't buy it. You know, I believe that he was joking. Yeah, I, I mostly agree with you. And, you yeah, you hit the nail on the head here. Like, look – if Rex Ryan actually had a spy, I don't think that he would be dumb enough to say that he had a spy, thus bringing the NFL's attention to him, right? Like, if he had a spy, he would exactly. probably just be getting his information and and finding it out. And and I don't think that he would, like, 
it, the spy would would really only be telling him uh, who was who was going to start. Like that's not, first of all, that's not a very good spy. Like I mean, it's pretty obvious that Percent right. was going to start. The Garoppolo wasn't ready. You could sort of you could look into the NFL medical reports and figure out the Garoppolo. The, 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 it's it's like the Patriots game chip, gamesmanship in the first place to try to like obscure the fact that it was pretty obvious that that Percent was going to start. So I, I bet you that the Bills were going to prepare for Percent regardless and. That that was gamesmanship uh, by Rex Ryan. However, here's the thing. Right. Well, did here's you did now. you hear this thing about him calling them in, in the media on the media call for Julian Edelman and asking Edelman if he was going to play quarterback? Like that that's the type of thing that is going on here. He's just he's goofing around. It's bad bad comedy. Bad comedy. You know how we feel about bad comedy. Not kidding. Yes. Well, I mean, we, we love do bad, bad comedy, comedy right here. We are yeah, bad comedy. Yeah. Yeah. We are bad comedy. My bad. You're right. We love bad comedy. But the point is. So do I think he's dumb enough to, if he had a source, just rat out his own source in, in bringing an investigation to him? No. However, if he did have a source, right, and he was dumb enough, let's just say hypothetically he had a source, and then he was dumb enough because he was cocky after the game to mention that he had a source, not realizing that the NFL was going to launch an investigation into him. Well, well what would you do if you're smart in that situation is you would then come out and say you were joking and try to cover up the fact that you had a source and you messed up, right? So if you're the NFL like, – Well, yes, but that's why I said that's why I said you still need to do the investigation if you're yeah. the NFL. No, you you do, but all the reaction to this I'm seeing is the, people are like, well, the NFL doesn't need to do an investigation now because he's come out. But it's like, no, because that's what you would do. You would downplay it and act like you were just messing around. But the NFL has to do their due diligence on it and investigate Rex Ryan. I'm sure – I'm surprised – Patriots fans, and maybe you can tell me otherwise, but I'm surprised that there isn't really more of a clamor for an investigation into the Jets because Rex Ryan put his foot in his mouth in in such a way that it's like it requires an investigation. And if the NFL doesn't investigate, if I'm a Patriots fan, huh? Oh, sorry. No, you Bill's said the Jets, Jets, but the Bills, yeah. Anyway. Bills, Jets, whatever. It's the team. The point, the point is, you're getting me off track here. You're right. You're right, though. You're right. No, oh, but honestly. Those, Honestly, no, if I'm a Patriots I mean, I'm, fan, no, I'm not trying to get you off track. Yeah. The point, the point is this: I don't think anybody's really clamoring for this up here because it's Rex Ryan. Literally, because it's Rex Ryan, nobody cares. Nobody said anything. I didn't even hear about this story until you until you mentioned it, and I didn't get look into the details, so I didn't hear about it until two minutes ago. But he just people don't respect him, and the talk around here is more about what Bill Belichick did wrong than it is about what Rex Ryan did right in that game. And that, to me, just shows a complete lack of respect from the New England media and fans. And honestly, I think Bill Belichick showed a complete lack of respect for Rex Ryan uh, in that game himself. So no, but everybody it's not around about... here is – I'm not talking – I don't care about respecting Rex Ryan as far as this, this collusion thing is concerned. But I'm just telling you that people don't care about – Rex Ryan around here in that in that manner. So that's why there's no that's why there's there's no people going crazy and asking for this this uh, um, investigation. Look, I hear I hear what you're saying, but again, if I'm a Patriots fan, it wouldn't it wouldn't be about Rex Ryan. This could be Todd Bowles or whoever the hell Miami's coach is, Dan Campbell. Look at me. I don't know if it's still Dan Campbell, but maybe it's not. But but if it's Dan Campbell, okay. The the if if I'm a Patriots fan, I want this is not about. Uh, the 
the, the Bills. This is about reckless investigations and the NFL's pension for, for you know, if I'm a, again, if I'm a Patriots fan and I feel like I've been wrong and I, I, I've heard nothing for the last six months to two years, uh, Patriots fans, other than the fact that like, yeah, we're, we're being unfairly targeted. If the NFL doesn't, you know, look into this properly, if I'm the Patriots fan, I'd be screaming bloody murder and not be even because I think that Rex Ryan is did this or is in trouble, but but this would be a clear example of the of the NFL not doing its due diligence it, when but, they're they're overly doing their diligence when it, in regards Calvin, to Patriots. You're yeah. missing the point. You're missing the point. You are not a Patriots fan. This is right. the problem with Patriots fans. They pick and choose their battles based on who they like and what is the situation. What the situation is. I guarantee you, if if Peyton Manning was still playing. And he rolled in here and something and said something like that. People would be all over him. If the Baltimore Ravens, when Ray Lewis was on the team, came through here and said something like that, people would have absolutely ripped him apart. Because I'm pissed off for greatness. That I would be too, Ray, because the people that are that call themselves Patriots fans around here are pretty fair weather, as far as I'm concerned. The Pats are riding high, everything's going well, and I mean, after that. If something goes wrong, they just pick and choose their battles. So I'm telling you, it's it's a, it's not about the principles, which it should be, like a normal person would look at it. It's about that it's just Rex Ryan goofing off, so nobody cares. And if the NFL does their job, they'll go and look into it. And honestly, I think that he – I have that mindset too. I don't care because I think he probably was goofing off. And I think that when they if, – if and when they look into it – they're not going to find anything. No, they're, no, they're not. They're not going to find anything. But do you think that Rex Ryan wants the NFL investigating him? Do you, I mean, I mean, maybe no. Maybe who, who does? Who something. would? I mean, yeah. Who, who I wants mean, maybe, thugs to show yeah. up at your door in black suits and ties and say, yeah. "We're, we're going to investigate you because you did something to tarnish the shield"? Who wants that? I don't want that. I want to lock my doors right now. I don't want people showing up like that. Yeah, I mean, maybe they don't find his Patriot source, but maybe they find out he's he's up to some other shenanigans, you know? Maybe they find out he's doing something right. else in the process of their investigation. And and to me, it wouldn't even, again, it would not even be about that. It, it should not be about that. It should be about, like, if, if they're going to do this job on us, again, and I, I realize I'm a Giants fan, and it, it, but it really is not even about me being a Giants fan. It's about, like, I would demand consistency from the NFL head office. Period, right? I mean, it, it, this is really about punishing yeah. the NFL. Make them put in the work. If you guys are going to claim, you know, that you, you put in all this investigation into Brady in the interest of fairness, and you guys feel like you were unjustly targeted, well, why well, isn't it somebody else's turn to be unjustly targeted? You know what? That's An- another part of it. Another part of it might be that people are just over it around here. I think people are just done talking about it. Brady's coming back this week. People That's don't care is. about the Flategate. They just want him to go out and and prove people wrong with his play. That's the way people are looking at it now at this point I, as, as well. I mean, it could be a combination of both because nobody cares about Rex Ryan anymore. You may, you, We're on to Cleveland. Good, yeah, you're and, right. And people just want Brady to do it on his own, and that's it, and have it be done with, and it's over. We're back. No, you hit the nail on the head. Bro. All, all it is is that the Patriots are good. You're right. Because if they were if they were one and three right now or zero oh and four and Brady was coming back, people would be screaming bloody murder over this exact same story. Yeah. It's it's it it's been, oh Tom Brady's coming back. We could go thirteen and three this year. It's like let's let's focus on that. 
but if, if Brady even let's let's say Brady like got hurt this this coming week, then people people might still still go back and talk about that Rex Ryan thing. It's all it is is like the goodness of the team wallpapering over other issues. Anyway, speak. Yeah. All right, so let's just let's let's keep going with the Patriots here quickly and touch on Bill Belichick because uh, I think that he's the reason they lost that game. I don't want to pin it on Jacoby Brissett. I don't want to say even that they should have won the game with a pure rookie quarterback who doesn't really know what he's doing against a very tough defense and one that runs multiple players off at him every play. All I'm saying is the Patriots coaching staff and the plays that they called made it seem like they didn't even care. It made it seem like they didn't even want to give the kid a chance. It made it seem like they didn't want to to show anything or something that they didn't want to, or that they didn't mind whether they were going to win or lose and that they just wanted to see what the bills came, came and did. They didn't, it looked like they weren't even trying on offense half the time. And I, I don't know what's going on with Gronkowski's health. He was only targeted a couple of times. He had one catch. But there are other weapons on this team, and they've pieced it together for the first three weeks. So why did the coaching staff have such a passive approach to this game? And why did they not find a way to get some other guys involved? Get Edelman back there for more than one snap. Like, do something. And at least at least show that you're trying to score points and get in field goal range or something. You get shut out at home for the first time since that stadium was built. It's embarrassing. It's pathetic. All right. Well, uh, yeah, obviously we're going to be on different sides on this because after uh, – here's the thing. After the Patriots beat Houston 27 nothing, okay, the narrative all of a sudden – and that was obviously the first game that Percent had started. Okay, the narrative all of a sudden was like, you know, the Bill Belichick can win with any quarterback. Like, this guy is a miracle worker, which I, I have issues with for a couple of reasons. No, I'm not saying that, but I, I want to hear your reasons. I'm, I'm not going to okay. go that far, but go ahead. Okay, issue one – is that, that Bill Belichick is a defensive coach. I don't understand why he gets the it, – it's like he – I, I understand why. It's a whole head coach thing. The head coach gets credit for whatever the team does, and clearly he knows how to coach a team. I'm, this is not a disparagement of Bill Belichick as a head coach because he's one of the greatest head coaches of all time. But you know what he's not? He's not a quarterback guru. Why? Why? Why is it that he gets credit for what the quarterback does? I don't. Can you can you explain this to me, Rory? Because it seems like Josh McDaniel. If I'm Josh McDaniel, and granted he wasn't a great head coach in Denver, but the, but you know Bill Belichick wasn't a great head coach in Cleveland. But could it, but McDaniel, as far as I'm concerned, has put in you know offensive schemes that have really worked well for for you know at least Jimmy Garoppolo. And my my second point is is that it hasn't worked well for Brissett, but. We'll we'll get to that in a moment. Why does well, Belichick get get all the credit for everything that the offense does when his hand in the offense is is relatively limited? Well, I think first of all that it hasn't worked for Brissett because he's a different quarterback than these other two. Sure, Garoppolo can move better than Brady, but they're basically Let's get, Garoppolo has learned to be the the Tom Brady of this team. So, uh, I mean, from what we've seen. That's that's what he is. That's why he fits because he's learned to do that. Brissett obviously hasn't done that yet, and he's a different quarterback because he moves a lot better. Either way, it, yeah, it's, I'll get into it's that on the coaching staff, and and it's it's. I don't know why Belichick gets so much credit for 
the, the, the success of the offense. You're right. He's a defensive-minded coach. He is a special teams-minded coach. I think he's probably the best uh, situational coach in the league at times. There, I mean, he makes questionable decisions over the years, that, but that I think that he's also very gutsy, which you need in the NFL. You need to take chances sometimes, and sometimes he just uses his instincts, and I, I like that in a coach. I, I want coaches to do that. I want them to not be afraid to fail. But there's a difference between not being afraid to fail and setting yourself up for failure, which is what I believe that they did uh, this this past week. And so that's why I'm on I'm pouring it on Belichick here because he gets the praise, Calvin. So I'm going to give him the the neg- the negative criticism as well. Sure, McDaniel's is the one ultimately that's calling the plays, but you it, as the head coach. If you see something that you think is going to be a problem throughout the week with your young quarterback, you need to override your offensive coordinator if, if something's not working. So for, for Belichick to just be off the hook on this one, I'm not going to do it. And I wouldn't give him the full praise on, on the way, other way either if they played well, because McDaniels deserves, deserves some of that as well. But people look at Belichick as this czar, the best head coach ever. And it just is an all encompassing thing. They don't look at the assistant coaches. They don't think about the other guys that are putting in time with the offensive line, et cetera. So it's, um, it comes with the territory, I guess, but he deserves the criticism too. Here's the thing about the Brissett thing. All right. Jimmy Garoppolo was up 24, nothing. I know because I, I, picked him up for my fantasy squad uh, and he put up a ton of points in the first half against Miami 24, nothing when he got hurt, the, the Patriots won that game, 27, 23 Brissett came in, played the second half, put up three points in the game against Houston that they won 27, nothing Houston fumbled two kickoffs. All right. Giving the, the Patriots short field Brissett had like 120 yards passing in that game. Granted he had a 20 yard rushing touchdown. That's fine. But, it, but his numbers still overall were not impressive in either of those other two games that nobody said, you know, Brissett's not playing that well because the Patriots won both of those games. Obviously, on defense, you know, they played spectacularly against Houston. Okay, they they played well. You know, Miami came back. But the, the point is, is this whole thing about, like, they, they can win with any quarterback. Yeah, if, if their defense is playing as well as it, as it did, you know, in that Houston game, sure. The defense gave up 16 points, but the point is, is Brissett was never good. Brissett never had a game where he was even decent, and I don't, I don't think it's 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 because he's not. But you can either say that this, he's not so the type this of is, player. This is all the more. This is all the more reason for the coaching staff to get other guys involved, and that's why I, I'm. I mean, I don't think that, I didn't think that they should have won the game necessarily, but to not score a single point to me is just. That's that's a big problem. That that speaks more than just Brissett not being a good quarterback yet. Well, he can't throw the ball down the field, but I think the the bigger issue as far as Brissett goes is that the Patriots run a get rid of the ball quick, you know, sh- mostly short throw, timing, uh, you know, rhythm, timing, quarterback, quick decision type of thing. If you're not a guy who can make quick decisions and look, you know, look through your progressions really quickly, you're not going to succeed in that offense. And I think to to say, uh, you know, any quarterback can win with Bill Belichick. To, to my, in my opinion, it takes away what Jimmy Garoppolo did in those first two games. He ran in what 
what to my mind looks like a very difficult offense to run. And and I don't think to, to be like, oh, the magic of Belichick. No, I think Jimmy Garoppolo is a good quarterback. Can we just say that? I, I yeah. realized that. There, yeah, I, think I realized we can. that. Yeah, I know there was the year that Matt Castle went eleven and five. It was Castle, right? Yeah, but he wasn't. He didn't look as smooth with, with as, as yeah. Garoppolo did. Garoppolo looked like he stepped right into Brady's role, and he, he there were a lot of plays were or not a lot. There were a handful of plays that people looked at it and said, "Well, Brady wouldn't have done that, and he wouldn't have either down and got himself hurt. He would have gotten rid right. of the ball. He would have looked checked somebody else down." There was there was definitely a handful where that were worth some criticism, but overall, he looked like he stepped right into the role and. You definitely can't say the same for Jacoby Brissett, but nor would you yeah. believe the, or nor would you think that you should be after three months in the NFL. You know? Yeah. So can, can we just say that it's Garoppolo? I mean, maybe maybe Belichick coached him up, but he but that's who he is now. He like, do we have system, yeah. yeah? Do we have to say that it's Belichick? Can we just say you know what, Jimmy Garoppolo played really well, and Jacoby Brissett did, has not played well. Like. We don't have to just say, man, Bill Belichick could do anything. It's like such such a reductive comment, and it's not true. Have you been listening to Jim Rome again out there or something? I heard him squawking about Belichick earlier in the week. Uh, I have. I, uh, Jim Rome is no longer on the air in Los Angeles. So I oh, what a sucker. Yeah. <laughs> We're on the air in Los Angeles, Jim Rome. You think... Oh, you're not a fan, huh? Not a big fan of Jim no, Rome? No, I, I think he's the most outrageous guy in sports, and I, I do uh, listen and watch him, listen to and watch him once in a while, but only to brush up on my Jim Rohn imp- impression, which I haven't done in a long time. I'm more of a fan of Levitard. I like Levitard's show. Yeah, he's all right. Um, all right. And anything else on the Patriots here? I don't just well, don't feel yeah, like one, complaining yeah, about them anymore. You're losing. So, well, one more thing, since we're this is probably going to be our last chance to talk about Garoppolo for a while. Is there you? Is, is there a part of you who thinks, you know, granted, he's he's. I'm not saying he's Brady. He's not Brady, right? But is there a part of you that thinks, look, this guy is young, Brady is not young. Do you, is is there any percentage? And I know it's I, I, there has to be rumblings going on in here of maybe we could, should consider keeping this guy instead of him being the one to walk and holding on to Brady because who so, knows how many years he has left. So just just now, people are starting to, like the, today was the first time I started hearing people say things like, uh, well, the Patriots just sat Garoppolo down because they already saw what they wanted out of him. He, he was healthy enough to play, but they didn't want to throw him back out there because they didn't want to risk him having a bad game and they don't want uh, him to look bad. And, and they just want it to be a good impression around the league of what Jimmy Garoppolo has done. And now they're going to try and, and dump him for something. Um, but I think that you might be closer to the, to what is actually happening here. I think it's more like if if they held him out because he was he was not quite healthy enough. I think it's more like they want him to be a hundred percent healthy when he plays for them again. And personally, I hope they extend this kid in the off season and and just extend him maybe up until Brady's contract ends or a couple years after Brady's contract ends and just say, "Listen, Jimmy, we're going to pay you well as a backup quarterback." And we just want you to stay healthy and be ready to go at any time. Because as good as Tom Brady is, you never know when he's going to get hurt again. You never know when 
it's just gonna it, the wheels are gonna fall off for this guy. He's he's a legend. He's very healthy, but at some point the wheels fall off of everyone. So he's going to leave at some point, and it could be in the next two years. It could be in the next five years. But if I'm the Patriots, I think I've found my my next quarterback here. So I try and lock this kid up. Hands down. Well, is he going? He's going to be a free agent after the season. Is that accurate? Or um, you don't know it? I'll double check that. I think I think he has one more year after this one, but I'll double check it. Because if you're Garoppolo, you probably feel like you're ready, right? You probably feel like you want to be a starting quarterback. You're ready to be a starting yep. quarterback. You're certainly ready probably. to be paid like a like a starting quarterback. I think that's the biggest issue. Maybe you can convince him, hey, to sit down, but you can't pay two quarterbacks to like starting quarterbacks, right? Even if you pay him some sort of market rate. Even if you're paying yeah, him... So, you know, sorry, go ahead. keep going. No, he, yeah, even if you pay him like a low-end starter, right? You're paying him like, I don't know, I can't think of a... Like, if you're paying him like, whatever, Andy Dalton, or like, you know, you're paying him whatever Jay Cutler's getting paid or whatever, like that's, you still can't pay two quarterbacks that much money. That's, that's what it comes down to. I, yeah, I have a hard time imagining that, that he would be cool now that he's had the taste of the starting life to just sit on the bench for another couple of years. I, I would agree with you there. Uh, he's de- so he's signed through next year. Um, okay. And he, he makes, he's making, $820,000 as his base salary next year. So, uh, that, I mean, they would have to re-sign him after that, and I don't really know how much um, backup quarterbacks make, but he is the 65th highest paid quarterback out of 94 in the entire NFL. So I would have to believe that he would be looking for his next contract to be putting him in the top 50, I would think, as far as pay is concerned. And it's definitely going to put him over a million dollars a year. And that is, that's a tough spot for him because if he doesn't get any playing time in the next year and a half, right. then he, how, how is he going to negotiate yeah. that he's still as good as he looked in the first two games of this season? Exactly. His value is going to go down. I imagine that they'll, they'll probably have to trade him in the off season or, or do something about Brady, which I know is like a thing that, that, you know, it's sacrilege, but I'm wondering well, this if, is, if there's this any is why I'm saying This is why I'm saying they, they don't have to do either. They just need to find a way to get Garoppolo to agree to stick around for another five years and get and just lock him up and say, listen, we don't know how long Brady will be here, but we, we well, want you, you cool as, as the next guy. You are the next guy, Jimmy Garoppolo. Sign with us. Brady's signed through 2019 right now. Holy crap. Okay, Rory. Well, let me let me throw a middle ground scenario for you, and you tell me whether or not you would be comfortable with this. Okay? They, he's, he's getting paid 800000 next year, right? What if they yep. went to Jimmy Garoppolo and they told him, look, you be Brady's backup quarterback through next year, and then you'll be the starting quarterback after that. Would you be offended by that notion? If you went to Brady now and you said, Brady, you have the rest of this season and the next season, so we're not forcing you out. We're giving you two more years. I don't think you can do that. I mean, I don't, think, you, I don't think you can do that. I think you have to – I mean, especially if you're the Patriots and you're Bill Belichick. You evaluate everybody every day, new clean slate every day. If, if Tom Brady comes in hungover and drunk 
or something, he's not going to play. Like, that's the way it goes. And just as a stupid hypothetical, you know. So I don't think the Patriots have any intention of taking Tom Brady out of the starting position unless he himself declines or gets hurt through 2019. So that's why I keep saying you need to offer Jimmy Garoppolo a five-year extension at the end of this season and say, you're the next guy, but you need to stick around for a little while and, and keep and, and just hang in there with us. And we'll, then we'll, we'll take it from there. Otherwise, like you said, he's just going to walk away and somebody will probably pay him. But this is why it's, that's why it's a tough spot for Garoppolo because if the Patriots don't showcase him until the end of, of his contract or they don't show him at all, then maybe teams aren't going to bite on that. Maybe he'll have to come back to the Patriots and then He'll, he'd have to take that Patriots discount if, if he's not looked at in the same regard in, in a year and a half. Rui, you, you said that the Patriots couldn't do that to Brady, but isn't that ult, isn't that the ultimate Belichick move, though, is to, to take a guy who, you know, yes. has served the franchise well and, and maybe is, is you know, near nearer to the end of his career than the start, and just moving on from him. He has a young guy right now who could yes. continually okay. continue what he wants to do. Do you, you, you don't okay, think but, this thought but, is at, at all? You don't think Belichick has crossed his mind one time? Do you think that no? He's but this like, is what I'm saying. This is this is what I'm saying. Belichick evaluates things on a day-to-day basis. If Brady wakes up in Week Seven in the 2018 season and he can't throw the football more than 25 yards and he looks like Peyton Manning, Jimmy Garoppolo is going to play Week Seven. Okay. If Brady wakes up the day before the Super Bowl and he's limping around. And he, he can't stand on, on his foot because he's, he's just got a little too old and something's not right. They're going to throw Garoppolo in there. He, Belichick's not afraid to do that. But he is not going to tell a player today that he will be the starter in two years. That's just not his style. And I don't no, think he no. should do it that way. No, that part he probably won't do because he's Belichick. You're right. In reality, what will probably happen is that they'll just get rid of Garoppolo in the offseason. But, I, but I, I'm just saying, like, the cutthroat move of in the offseason, getting, just getting rid of Brady, is, like, not, some, not something that Belichick is past, in, or at least in the past. You know, like a, a guy like Welker, uh, it, even, if, even if he's, like, a dude who still has, has producing, uh, Belichick being like, well, this guy's making 800000 right. Why wouldn't he make this? Why would he make the eight hundred thousand guy the starter, and then you know use that money that, that Brady's contract is eating up to to pull in a bunch of other guys? You, you're telling me? Oh, in, in, I mean, he doesn't all. No, no, he does it all the time. Look yeah. at Darrell Revis. He just did it. Vince Wilfork is a guy who's. I mean, what's he doing right now? That's that's what the Belichick does. He gets rid of guys that have done well for him just before he thinks that they're going to fall off a cliff, but. That's What's why I'm saying to you, though, right it's, he's not just going to tell Garoppolo he's going to be the starter. He's going to wait until he sees signs right. of Brady falling off a cliff, and then he's going to dump him. And that is going to be – if he could pull that one off, if he can dump Tom Brady on a different team or just outright cut him right before he stinks, that would be the, the ultimate Belichick move. And I just – I don't believe that he's capable of doing it. I think Brady's going to be here through 2019, regardless of how he looks, and he's going to make his own decision on when he leaves. But if Belichick can find a way to make that cut, that that would be astounding. I would, I would definitely call him the best coach of all time. And I, I don't know. I would probably give him a great big hug when I saw him because it's a, 
would just be so joyful. What's your what's the weakest position on the Patriots right now? What do you think? Like a wide receiver? What if you could? If you no, could, like, they've look got some. De- no, they have some decent receivers. What's, I think okay, they're fine. they're kind of hurting it. Like I don't know. Their first two corners are okay, but their their nickel corners. He's no good. I just don't know what they're doing. Nickel, there, okay. so. You can't do better than nickel corner. You don't. That's all. That's the weakest. Give me something else. No, because they play a Tampa two sometimes, and it's just you need. I, I don't know, Calvin. Okay, um, say, the safeties are good. Yeah, the safeties are good. Damn it, you're not helping me here. Okay, that's I'm, I'm fine. sorry. I'm not. I, I, I mean, I'm not really concerned with most of the Patriots roster. I think they're a good roster. I just think they have some. Small holes. It's, that's all there is to it. All right, all right. I'm just. I don't, I'm I don't just know creating, what to tell you. I want to create a hypothetical here. In, in, let, let's say the, the the Patriots cut Tom Brady in the offseason, right? Kept Garoppolo uh-huh. in his in his eight eight hundred thousand dollars, and then they use that money to bring in uh, Julio Jones and Earl Thomas. Are Patriots fans angry or are they happy? Um. I think they're probably angry about that. I think people would probably want to see Tom Brady ride off into the sunset, and they don't really care about the the other the other positions. They don't that care about might winning. Might be might. Well, I mean, I don't know if a wide, if a top line wide receiver with J, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo is really going to get the job done more than Brady would. I mean, I don't know. Who knows? Right. There's there's really there's really not. A lot of positions on this team. We people don't look at the Patriots and say, "Oh, look at that superstar! Look at that big-time linebacker! He's awesome!" Because Belichick doesn't allow things like that to happen. Darrell Revis didn't even get too big for his britches around here. He tried, and he was definitely the focal point of um, the defense at, when he was here. And he was definitely the focal point in the locker room. People wanted to talk to him. But honestly, you don't get too high on this Patriots team without Bill Belichick bringing you back a notch. And I think even Brady feels that at times. There have, been, there have definitely been times where I think Brady has, has been humbled by Bill Belichick over the years. So he's, he's not exempt from this either. And, I mean, it's just, I don't know. I feel like it's, it's tough to – it's tough to be a superstar on this team. And I think fans realize that, and that's just the way it is. So people wouldn't care if we, they brought in Des Bryant or whoever. Name your top superstar, Adrian Peter. I mean, who's who's the, the guy out there right now? Like, I don't know. I just don't think that the, the Patriots fans would really be that keen on it if, if it meant that Brady was gone, especially if they thought that he was still playing well and capable of winning. We got to figure out how to do polls because sometimes I'll, I just want to know what people think. Who are I'm just curious, you know. I mean, maybe we can get like a poll on CLNS or something every once in a while. Yeah, I think you can do Twitter polls, but who knows how many people are actually looking at my Twitter account right now? Like three or four, maybe. Yeah. At Team I Green want, Truth, yeah. go check it out. Yeah, I'd like to legitimately know. Maybe, uh, yeah, I'm gonna ask Nick if we could put up a poll every once in a while because really maybe it's hard maybe it's I don't know how technology works no I think it's probably easy it's just you have to let it sit there for a little while and hope people click on it yeah well if it's on the CLNS page someone's going to click on it right you would think so alright well if you have an attorney anyway I digress Uh, yeah I think that's enough of the Patriots talk here yep I'm going to talk about 
somebody somebody on my team now, Ray. Yes. Odell Beckham Jr. Wow, I really took a long time with those two topics. I feel like we're already behind here. I don't like it. Anyway. Yes, we are coming up on, well, definitely past the halfway mark, so. Yep. Okay. Um, so, I don't know how much of this you caught, but uh, two weeks ago, and I'm sure you've caught some of it because it was national news, two weeks ago the Giants played the Redskins. Uh, Odell Beckham Jr. was defended by Josh Norman. Uh, Odell Beckham did well against Norman, caught several uh, passes, but unfortunately, uh, Eli did not play well and threw two interceptions in the big moments that could have won the game for the Giants. Beckham, you know, after both interceptions, sort of went to the sideline. Uh, one time he cried. Uh, he punched the uh, field goal net, f- field goal practice net, and it bounced back and hit him in the face. Have you seen, I'm sure you've seen this, right? <laughs> I, I didn't see that, but I did hear, hear that he was being a total diva. Yeah, he, he punched the field goal stand thing, and it yeah, bounced back and hit him in the face. He says that he doesn't remember it happening. I mean, you can call uh-huh. the... Yeah. And now this last week, uh, they played... Who did they play? Oh, yeah, the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, he, he caught a ball... And, you know, stepped out of bounds, and the, the cornerback hit him late. He got angry. He hit him in the back. He turned around and went and yelled at the referee that he hit me in the back and received a 15-yard unsportsmanlike penalty. And there's sort of been this movement now about how Odell Beckham, you know, can't control himself, can't control his temper. He's a baby. Uh, yeah, he needs to learn to be better. What are your thoughts? Well, uh, I mean, it, it sounds like he does. It sounds like his quarterback is calling him out. It sounds like um, he needs to grow up a little bit. I mean, what are your thoughts? He's on your team. He, he's being a diva. He, I, if he were on the Patriots, they'd probably cut him. Like I was just saying, you don't that's you don't act like that on this team and get away with it. It, it just doesn't happen. So I would expect, uh, I mean, nothing less if he was on this team. But I know that that it probably happens throughout the league on teams that I'm not watching every week, you know? So I don't know. How do you feel about it? You think he should shut up and get in line? He's one of the best receivers in the game. I think he should probably focus a little more, right? No, I, no, I totally disagree with that. That seems to be the common narrative. Everyone's saying that. Yeah. A a lot of players. And part of the thing is people are saying this is the part that I agree with is because because he's sort of made a spectacle of himself, he's he's opened himself up to being targeted by cornerbacks, and I and I think that that it was something that was happening anyway because he's a smaller receiver. That that people think that the way to play him is physicality, and physicality makes him angry. He'll push dudes back. But there's also a thing called the rules in the NFL. All right. He caught the ball and went out of bounds and was hit late, and the referee who was standing right there did nothing about it. It's that ref's job to say something. Granted, should he should he not get himself thrown out of the game, or in, the, in that case, he got a 15-yard penalty? Yeah, but he also shouldn't have been penalized. That's the point. It's like just because like I, I've had this, I've gone through the same thing over guys like like Rasheed Wallace, or and these are bad examples because these are guys who like Rasheed Wallace is a bad example, but there are guys you could say Demarcus Cousins, people like this. Look, just because. 
you develop a reputation for getting technical fouls. I'm just making an NBA analogy, okay? Doesn't mean that you don't deserve justice when you're right. You know what I mean? It's like we created this world that like like a Demarcus Cousins can't say anything, but but Tim Duncan can complain as much as he wants. But the second Demarcus Cousins says something, he's getting a T. Yeah, you can you can make the argument, and that's and I agree. But we're already past this point that like Od- Odell Beckham shouldn't cr- create this image of himself as a guy who who you know says too much or or a guy that you can get into his head because then guys will try harder to get into his head. But that doesn't take away from the fact that he's been right in most of these situations. And as and as far as as far as the, the you know him him uh, kicking the field goal stand on the sideline in the previous game that's not even look that's not on the field. If if a guy wants to be angry on the field, look when when Odell, when Odell Beckham gets angry and kicks a field goal thing, everyone freaks out about it. But when Philip Rivers goes and, and you know is angry and he goes is, and yells, is Philip, says is Philip Rivers then flipping the script and crying on the sideline the other way? It sounds like he's a little up and down here. I mean, does he need to? Does he need to to find some sort of help. I mean, I, I know that's, that's a thing. It's, it's, it's a real life situation. I'm not trying to make light of it, but it's he, seriously, he if he's, if he's look, going look. from anger to crying up and down like this, I don't, I'm, I don't know. No, 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 angry, angry, crying, sort of help. angry crying. Angry crying. Like, okay. Yeah. 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 Like not, not like, like anger to sadness. Your, yeah. Not, not like put your head in your hands and sobbing. It's more like, pacing back and forth with tears in your eyes. You know what I mean? Like, let's, okay. let's, uh, but the point I'm making to you is, look, look, if Odell Beckham was on the sideline screaming at Eli Manning for messing up, and, he, and Eli Manning messed up several times in that game, and I, in, in that particular game, he had, look, Josh Norman has been talking crap about Odell Beckham for, for months. I understand that he wanted to win that game badly. It doesn't it doesn't bother me when players get emotional and when they want to win. You know that that's what's like the thing that I love the most about Kobe was the fact that he wanted to win and it was clear and it hurt when he didn't win. I want that out of my players. I don't I don't understand how that's a bad thing. If he again if he was if I saw him yelling at people and being like throw me the ball. Then, then I would then I would be on the the other side of the equation, being like, look, this guy's selfish. It should be about the team. It should be about winning. Nobody's saying that he's saying any of that. People are just saying that he's getting very emotional, and I don't have a problem with that. Why shouldn't you be emotional? People, you know what I mean. This is your life. This is your job. Why shouldn't you care about that? All right, Calvin. Fair enough. Do you disagree? I mean, tell me. No, I don't disagree. I'm I, I'm glad that he has some passion for his job. It's just I, I feel like some of the stuff takes away from maybe his focus on the game. And I don't I don't know if he gets in his head so much that he can't perform on the field. Then that's where the, that's where you're crossing the line. That's where the emotion needs to be brought into check. Emotion is fine if you can channel it into into a positive thing. Uh, in in your play, but if he's really letting himself get out of control, which is what it seems to be more often than not, then that's that's where something needs to happen here. Have you seen him play? He runs hard on every route. Eli misses him so much. That bull is so much better than anyone else on the Giants, and it it pains it pains me to say because I li- I like Eli. I want him to be good. I want the Giants to be. All good. right. So so you you're saying you have a bad quarterback and you need a good quarterback to to make Odell Beckham Jr. look better. I mean, 
you feel I don't feel like he looks bad in, in terms of being a football player. In terms, I'm I'm just saying like, look, fire isn't bad. I think that yes, I would like to see him not get penalized because that hurts the team. But in the case of the penalty he got last week that everyone's complaining about, he got pushed out of bounds. He shouldn't have been as angry as he was to the ref, but the ref was still the one in the wrong in that situation. All right, no, so you no, have I, an argument there, absolutely. But I'm just saying that there's there's a line that gets crossed, and this guy seems to cross it a lot. There are other guys in the league too. It's not just him. We're not singling him out, but I mean, when you start hurting your team like that, that's that's where you need to start thinking about reining yourself in a little bit. All right. All right. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. His on-field reactions. He, he should rein in a little bit. Anything he does on the sideline, again, as long as he's not fighting with teammates directly, I don't have a problem with him being up, upset about losses or any, anything other than that. I don't know. It's just this weird balance. He needs to to not let cornerbacks. But, it, again, it's like people are so physical with him, and people aren't calling it. And it's it's also I understand how that's frustrating. I don't know. I'm sort of on both sides, I guess. No, I mean he's he's an excellent player, and I, I mean I don't I'm not trying to take anything away from him, and um, honestly I haven't seen enough of the, the Giants this year to really comment on whether he's playing well or not. But all I'm saying is that if 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 it starts to get in the way, and yelling at people and all that starts to get in the way, you gotta you gotta rein it in, you gotta figure it out. Um, let's move on though, unless you have anything else on them. No, I'm good, man. All right. Uh, LeBron James trying to get himself back in the news here. NBA season's starting it up. He's uh, he's talking. And what did he say about Colin Kaepernick? Oh, he didn't say anything about Colin Kaepernick. Uh, He actually said something about Hillary Clinton, but it ties into something that Colin Kaepernick said about Hillary Clinton. Oh, I I thought he said something about Colin Kaepernick. My mistake. Please, this see. This is one of the the, one of the times when not being prepared for the show really shines through and uh, makes it uh, more organic. So you're welcome. Well. uh, ESPN is reporting, and I, apparently LeBron came out and made a statement that LeBron is endorsing Hillary Clinton for president. How do you feel about that? Um, good for him. He can endorse whoever he wants, right? I mean, uh, people endorse people for president all the time. I'm not so sure how often prominent sports figures endorse people for president, but. Um, I mean, if LeBron wants to do that, then more, I mean he has every right to do so. And it's just I don't I don't know if it's really necessary for anything besides himself. Like I said, he's definitely trying to get himself back in the news. But um, I don't know what is. Do you think he's trying to make some sort of statement as far as I don't know, just others? Sports figures are concerned. Are you trying to tie this to Kaepernick in a way? Uh, I am. I will tie it into Kaepernick in a moment. He uh, he says that uh, he thinks that Hillary Clinton will carry on the legacy of, of his good friend Obama. Now, I agree with you that he has the uh-huh. right to yeah he has the right to endorse whoever he wants. I don't have a problem at all with him endorsing Hillary Clinton. I guess my my only question is why do we care? Why do we care? What, I don't. What, yeah, 
but but people do. People have like this is this has been made into a story. Not why do we care? We don't care, right? But I I kind of care that. People oh yeah, care. as a country, why do we care? Why? Yeah. The, I agree with you. Why why do we care what the Kardashians are doing tonight? Why do we care that Kanye West had to leave in the middle of a concert? Why do I even know this? I don't want to know this stuff, but I heard it on. The radio show that I listen to every morning, like it's everywhere. I know these things. I don't need to know these things. They don't help me in my daily life. Like, why do we need to know about all these celebrities and what they are saying and what their opinions are? Why can't we just talk to the people around us and get their opinions and just figure out what's going on here? Why do we care what these people with lavish lifestyles are saying? It doesn't. They shouldn't be shaping the the views of this country. And I feel like sometimes people let them do that. And it's ridiculous. This, uh, I don't get me started on this Calvin because it could be a, a rabbit hole. We'll never get out of. And it's just, I don't understand where this country is going when people are, are concerned with all of the celebrity reality bull. I couldn't, couldn't you make the argument that particularly athletes, but also, you know, certain other types of celebrities. But a guy like LeBron, who's playing an 82-game schedule in the offseason, you know, he's doing all sorts of camps and other things, that LeBron is probably too busy to be a guy who's can delve into the political process as deep as, as some sort of, like, political junkie. Do you, Who do you think knows more about uh, politics, LeBron or James Carville? Just if you had to guess off the top of your head, now, <laughs> who's right or who's wrong is an, is an entirely different issue. I'm just saying, who who do you think has more political knowledge between those? I mean, name name anybody on Fox News. They or or right. any any news any station that covers politics. Yeah. Any one of those Honor news Bill anchors yeah. is is going to yeah. I, I don't care. Bill Maher, Bill O'Reilly. I don't yeah. care who you name. Liberal. Conservative. Whatever. Yeah. It doesn't matter. They're all going to know more than LeBron James. You would think. Unless unless that's all he does in his spare time. But we know, we know that LeBron James, not only is he a Hillary Clinton endorser, and I'm not trying to, uh, I'm not swaying either way here, but he he also reads Harry Potter. So I don't know how, how much he can, he can do in his spare time. If he's reading those books, how much can he really look into the political process? How does he even know? I, should, I can't, uh, I can't I even give a straight face. LeBron. Look, I, I hear a sense of negativity towards Harry Potter. I'm, I'm not going to uh, stand by and allow you to disparage Harry Potter this way. But no, yeah, here's the thing. Like, again, it's cool with him making his statement, but it, it's just funny to me how much praise he's getting and how much – and this goes along the lines of, like, me for a, a while has I've sort of been on this kick with with athletes and their political stances and you know how people talk about how it how it's important that they make political stances and LeBron's getting a lot of praise for being like you know look he's an athlete coming out and endorsing a political candidate in this time right. in, you know, in this important time we know okay. we're, we're at a very divided time in our country this so, guy's trying to go out there and make a difference. So tell me this, Kevin Durant. When, I don't know where he's from. I don't know where he was raised, but I know he went to college in Texas. I assume that a lot of guys would go to Texas. So he went to Texas. I'm going to find out where he's from. Where's he from? Washington, D.C. He's from D.C. Bad yeah. example. Uh, let's <laughs> let's just let's let's just go with somebody else. Go with a prominent NBA player that's from Alabama. What if this player? Uh, let's just say. 
Uh, Charles Kevin Barkley, Love? no, that doesn't work. Kevin Love, no, that doesn't work. I'm, I'm trying to make a point here, and it's. It, I wish I let's, let's say, let's just say that Carmelo Anthony comes out and says that he's backing Donald Trump because he thinks that that Trump knows how to handle business literally, and that he's worried about the economy the way that things are going, and that he wants. Donald Trump to take over and he wants the wall and he wants to shut down immigration uh, and all this stuff. What if Carmelo Anthony were to come out and say that? What if Dwayne Wade were to come out and say that? Would they get the praise that LeBron James is getting right now? This is my point. If somebody were to come out and, and endorse Trump just, just the way that, that LeBron did with Hillary, I think people would, would trash that person. And I mean, maybe it's just because I, I live in the Northeast and that's kind of the way it goes around here. Uh, and honestly, some of the things that come out of that man's mouth, I don't blame you for, for trashing a person that would support him uh, because it just it's unfathomable. And now I'm leaning, obviously. But the point is that LeBron gets all this praise for backing Hillary Clinton. I don't think it would have been the same way had he backed Donald Trump. And it's just, again... I don't, I don't know what's what's happening here. That this man is even, I don't honestly, I don't like any of the candidates if we're going to go there. But this man is, it's just, he's a character of everything. I just don't understand. So, I guess the point is this: where where does the the line get drawn for this celebrity status thing? Where do people start caring, and where do they stop caring? Because I feel like if LeBron went the other way, people might they might not say anything. But if a if a lesser player were to go the other way, people might be all over him. I don't know. Uh, Rui, it's funny. It's funny that you go down this line because um, yeah, maybe you mean a lesser player like Colin Kaepernick, perhaps. And this is this is where this ties in. To, to what's going on with LeBron, because uh, Colin Kaepernick, after watching the debate said it was embarrassing to watch that these are our two candidates. Both are proven liars, and it almost seems like they're trying to debate who's less racist. He says, at That's, this point, you have to I didn't even I didn't know that he said this. I'm glad I just ranted yeah. on this, because I didn't know that Kaepernick said any of this. This is great. Yeah. At this point, he said, you have to pick the lesser of two. Now you see why it was connected to this, this LeBron endorsement. Yeah. I love it. And, point, and full circle, not being prepared, has paid off. Continue, please. <laughs> Yeah, at this point he said, you have to pick the lesser of two evils, but in the end, they're both evil. Okay? But since he's made these comments, okay, I've seen several articles of people saying Kaepernick in danger of losing the goodwill he generated for his statements about Black Lives Matter. Brutal. Think about think, think Brutal. about think think about the logic applied to this and to the honestly, this is and he might be say let's say that Kaepernick is voting for Hillary Clinton. Let's just say that he he might have just he might feel the same way as LeBron James, but LeBron approached it in a different manner, so he's being praised for it. But if they have the same exact opinion and Kaepernick is just wording it differently and actually maybe being a little bit more honest about it than LeBron was, then he's just going to take the heat. Well, to to my mind, and maybe you you can tell me otherwise, but to, to my mind, the 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 only difference between the positive reaction LeBron James is getting for his statement about endorsing Clinton and talking about her her legacy and 
Colin Kaepernick's uh, comments about how Clinton and, and Trump are racist is that one of them supports the liberal candidate and the other one does not. That's, I don't see any other difference beyond that. But has, wait, we're, has we're, Kaepernick we're, has Kaepernick come out to, to actually say that he supports Trump, or is he just saying that he doesn't no. like either one and he doesn't he doesn't say who he's going to vote for? That's that's exactly what it is. He says he doesn't like. This either is the one. point. This is the point. He might be voting for Hillary Clinton, but he's just taking his his view of of the two candidates to the next level and giving a little bit more detail behind it. Whereas LeBron James, maybe he thinks the same thing that Colin Kaepernick thinks, but. He's looking at it differently and saying, I'm just going to endorse Hillary because I'm going to vote for her even because she's the lesser of two evils in LeBron's mind, hypothetically. Let's just say that. LeBron's just going about it a different way, so Kaepernick's going to take a lot of heat for it. But he hasn't even said who he's, who he's voting for. I don't, want to, I don't want to say that because that, that's undermining my point. Like that hypothetical undermines my point, which is that Ka- – and it's really more about Kaepernick because when Kaepernick when – we, we had this discussion about Kaepernick before and his whole process about kneeling for the anthem uh, and how people called him a hero because he was trying to take a stand for, for Black Lives Matter. But when he tries to take that same stand against both candidates and he calls both of them racist, the people who, de- who defended him are now crucifying him. Now they're defending LeBron James because – he came out and he supported Hillary Clinton. It's like all of this, all people who want to support athletes and their stances always do it hypocritically, and that's what makes me angry. I don't care what any. Right, I don't care what, talked, you're right. We talked yeah. about this with the yeah. blue flag thing and the, or the anthem yeah. thing. You're right. But it's, it's the same like, thing. Yeah. Kaepernick's own words are backfiring. Now all of a sudden, it's like Kaepernick's not not being a leader because he's because he's not saying what we want him to say. That's what yeah. Oh, you know what? And actually, yeah. now that you're you're putting it this way, not 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 to say that. Uh, I mean, I would have to sort of look into his claims on on Clinton, but uh, some of the things that Donald Trump has said in the past two years would definitely be construed as as racist. So my point here is that. If Colin Kaepernick were to come out and say Donald Trump is a racist, but Hillary Clinton's not much better or something like that, then people probably would not be dumping on him as much. Is that sort of what you're getting at now? Um, I, I th- no, I feel like people still would be jumping on him. I, th- I think it just comes down to whether or not you like what he says politically, period. And I think that's garbage. Either Either you think – he has the right to say what he what he wants, and you respect him, or you don't. You can disagree with somebody while still respecting something, but you can't say like now like somebody was doing a good job of standing up for a cause when it, it, Colin Kaepernick made these comments about them being liars and racist to, towards the same cause. That's what's funny. He's still standing up for the cause of like of black of black people and how black. Black Lives Matter and how racism is affecting this this country, and he sees both of these candidates as racist. But because people people on the opposite side of the political spectrum that supported him on the other side find this statement more unpalatable, now all of a sudden it's a problem. When it's either a problem or it's not a problem. That's what I'm coming down to. All right, that's what you're coming down to. I'm coming down to the time, and I'm looking at the time and saying that. We should probably move on from this. It's all right. Um, That's the political talk for, let's see, how many times do we talk politics? Maybe like once every 120 episodes or something. There you go. There you have it, folks. Yeah, and that's that's a... 
that's not even really po- look. I, we don't really like to talk about politics. No. Um, yeah, it's not even about the politics. Just just to be clear, it's it's just about hypocrisy. I don't like hypocrisy. I will call out hypocrisy in politics, in sports. I'll call out hypocrisy in, under any circumstances. And because I don't really consider myself conservative or liberal, I, I feel comfortable calling out both sides. In the All right. Well, I I uh, try not to be hypocritical, so I I don't get called out very often. But when it happens, it really hurts. So I'm glad that you're there yeah. to tell me and be there with me, Calvin. Um. All right. Next, the Orioles. Three, this is a yeah. this is a late addition because. It happened during the time that our show was going to be last night. Actually, probably after the time that our show was going to be. This happened because um, I watched maybe an inning or two of this Orioles-Blue Jays game. Uh, Maybe actually not even that that much. I was flipping back and forth. But I turned it on when Darren O'Day was pitching. And what caught caught me, and the reason I, I stayed for the half inning to watch it, was that the three batters coming up, for the Blue Jays were 0 for 25 in their career against o- O'Day of the Orioles. So I watched this inning and it, there was a little bit of drama. It looked like they, that, that one of these guys might get a hit in the bottom of the 10th there and uh, win the game for the Blue Jays. But I said, you know what? Screw it. I'm not going to, I'm not going to watch this game anymore. I'm going to bed. I'm tired. I don't really care who wins this game. I'm just going up. Little did I know that there was going to be a total implosion of the Orioles bullpen led by none other than their manager, Buck Showalter. Would you, would you care to shed some more light on this situation, Cal? All right. So Buck Showalter getting a lot of heat today. Um, he pitched. Now I'm going to have to try to see how many relievers he pitched in that game. Uh, it, the game went to the 11th inning, tied 2-2. Neither team scored in the tenth. Uh, the uh, yep, the inning I saw, yeah. which was amazing. Yeah, the Orioles did not score in the top of the eleventh, and in the bottom of the eleventh, uh, they they pitched uh, Ubaldo Jimenez. They did not ever pitch their closer, Zach Britton, who's you know up for the American League Cy Young. He has, you know, a .53 ERA, and he has like a .16 ERA since June or something. You know, one one of the best uh, closing seasons ever. Did not get out on the field. Instead, Jimenez did one of their starters who did not have a good ERA over the season, but to be fair to him, was was good down the stretch. The point is, brought the starter into the 11th, gave up two singles quickly, and then a three-run bomb to Edwin Encarnacion, and now the Orioles are out of it without ever playing their, their best pitcher and closer, Zach Britton. That's right. Buck Showalter getting a lot of heat for this. They started, they pitched, let's right. see, one, two, three, four, five, six. They pitched seven pitchers. Not The closer wasn't one of them. How do you feel about this, Ray? I feel like he's a moron. I feel like um, there's another, oh, you know what? I'm going to pull this up because somebody mentioned this on the radio. I've been getting a lot of info from the radio today, but I just Googled it. And it's in the Washington Post as well. This is not the first time that he's blown it, Calvin. Uh, many years ago, when he was a manager for the Yankees, he made the mistake of uh, pitching Jack McDowell and leaving him out there a little bit too long. 
and just not going to his closer uh, against the Mariners. And they ended up losing that series back in 1995 when Ken Griffey was on the Mariners and playing well in the ALDS. So Showalter is no, he's no stranger to bullpen blunders and that got him fired from the Yankees. So uh, I'm just curious to see what the Orioles are going to do here because they had a promising team and they, they were good last year as well. And they look like they always find a way or Buck Showalter teams anyway, always find a way to get just far enough to make their fans think that something could happen and then fall right off the, off the face of the earth. So I'm not surprised by this, but um, man, is, is that a bit, is that a blunder? I'm with everybody piling on this guy right now. I'm with him. Yeah. I'm, I'm also with him, Rory, but I'm going to, I'm going to take this a step further. Maybe I'm going to take this 10 steps further, Rory. I'm going to come out and say it. Closers are stupid. They're stupid. I don't understand the logic behind saving your best pitcher, okay, your best guy who throws an inning or two, for just just the ninth inning to to sort of preserve this arbitrary stat that was created a couple of years ago. I understand well, why. I hold understand on, why. I, let's let's get let's back it up a little bit. I I think that there's something to be said about being able to throw that guy every single game. Maybe they should pitch two innings and close it down from the eighth and ninth. But I think there's something to be said about being able to throw your best pitcher every game when when you need them. And granted, they don't throw, they don't pitch every game because um, it, the season is just too long, and they're not getting saves for even half the games that are played. But the point is, I I, I think that uh, they are pretty valuable. But go ahead, it's, I don't think it's it's for saves. That's not that's not the reason that I think closers are there. No, 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 but it, but it is the reason. You, you know why it's there? It's there because of this, the myth that the ninth inning is, is more important, more stressful than, than the seventh, seventh and eighth innings. When that's, that's simply not the, more, more valuable somehow than other innings. That's simply not the case. If you were thinking about it logically, okay? Well, it, depends, it really depends on when the best hitters are coming up. Well, that's, that's the inning that matters. Well, that's part of that's that's one one of many points that I'm about to make is if your four, five, six hitters are coming up in the eighth, okay, why why wouldn't you pitch your best relief pitcher in the eighth inning in 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 pitch the, the next guy in the seventh seventh eighth and ninth inning? The, the idea, of my, that's my point. The idea of having a guy okay. who this is my that. closer, he pitches the ninth inning. It's like we should major league baseball should be past that. In fact, I'm gonna I'm gonna do you one better because. Here's here's the thing, it it also matters like what the score is. Like why wouldn't you pitch if if there's a one run game, okay, in the seventh inning, your st- your starter comes out. Who knows if that's still going to be a one run game in the ninth inning? Why like why wouldn't you again if if the hitters are relatively equal? Why wouldn't you pitch your closer in the seventh inning? Okay, why wouldn't you if if you think that hey I don't want to put my less good pitchers in. Uh, you know, under in, in these pressure situations. So I'm going to put them when we're down or, or whatever. Why not pitch your, your, you know, mediocre relief pitchers. I know why, because of, because of baseball stats and this would mess this, you know, contracts and people would complain. So but if, if, if I, if I was a manager, I would consider starting my middle reliever and playing him an inning, starting another middle reliever, have him do inning two, and then hoping my starter can get me seven innings. And if he can't put my closer in after that, like, why, so I don't understand you, why there's no room for flexibility in baseball. Would you say, would you say that the, the hold stat in major league baseball is more important than the save stat at this point? 
Would you go that far? No, I think it's all, it's all situational. Everything is situational. But nobody, but I, the hold and the save are both stupid because it, it, it's like a guy came in and pitched an inning. Period. Whether that inning's the ninth or the fourth, he he's still doing the same job. His ERA is the same. Okay, do I don't think that the, if you give up five runs in the fourth, guess what? Like you, someone else shutting down the ninth, it doesn't mean anything. You know what I mean? Like giving up runs is the same under any circumstance. Okay, so this- so let's let's think of it this way then. Let's let's go and look at it this way. Okay. The Major League Baseball wins leader was Rick Porcello, twenty two wins. Okay. Yeah. The Major League Baseball saves leader <clears throat> was Yaris Familia of the the Mets. He had 51 saves. And regardless of the arbitrariness of, of how the save stat is recorded, would you rather have your best pitcher throwing in 51 games or would you rather have them pitching in 30 games? Because let's say, I don't know how many losses. I got to check the losses on Porcello. But I think he had almost 30 starts. So, um, but the, the, the point no, no, is, it, what, what would you rather have? Your best pitcher pitching in, the, in those 50 games or in, in 30 games for more innings? And I, th- the answer is more innings, right? The answer is total innings, yeah. It's not total. Total games is, is separate to total innings. But again, the order in which that happens, look, people, pitchers don't complete games anymore, right? You get maybe one, two, or two complete games a year from, from a good pitcher. You're not getting seven complete games. So I don't okay. even think like I don't even think like quote starting pitchers need to start. Chris Sale. You have Quato. Yeah, I, again, Baumgartner. Yeah, that's I, it. I mean, it's like three guys that have more than three. That's it. Yeah, that that's fine. But like, I don't have a problem. And the only reason the only reason managers won't do this is again, it's because of. of uh, you know the historical possibility of getting a perfect game or getting a no hitter, but I would start a middle reliever and have because innings one and two are no pressure innings because there's seven more innings. So if if I was a manager, I would revolutionize baseball by pitching my weaker pitchers early on in the game and then pitching a starter for six innings after that. If my starter could work innings three through seven, three through eight, if my starter could work three through eight, and then my closer could come in right after that in the ninth. All we all we have to do is not be down too much after the first. Two innings, my middle would come with no pressure at all because the starter would come in after that. That that seems to me a smarter function. But instead, everyone's bound by stupid tradition, and it comes yeah. to play with the closer too. So, Buck Showalter doesn't want to bring him in unless we get a lead because we only bring him in in save situations. It's so stupid. It's all. Stupid. This is why Calvin. This is why you're an NBA fan. They're, they're basically getting rid of the center. It doesn't matter anymore. It's a it's a more free flowing game. And, and it's adapted with the times. Baseball has not adapted with the times whatsoever. Yeah, where are the baseball revolutionaries? I know sabermetrics, you know, allows you to evaluate talent, but I, I'm I'm talking about like on-field revolutionaries. And I, I know that the shift there's there's been a little bit. It's it's just slow moving, but I, I think. Uh oh! Did it finally end? Did we finally lose the man? It lasted so long, too. What a good show that was. Well, unless he comes back in the next two minutes, that's going to do it for us because I'm just going to – I'm not going to keep on talking about this. Uh, I'm just going to end it. Uh, we were going to talk a little bit about Ben Simmons, the number one draft pick in the NBA, who's now out for three months with a broken foot. Happened in practice the other day. So maybe we'll touch on that next week. 
uh, he has definitely dropped off. So thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for listening tonight. And again, catch us on iTunes and on the CLNS Radio mobile app. We'll talk to you next week because this went well just until the last moment. And Calvin just Irish goodbye and drifted off into the sunset. Uh, it was fun, though. Thank you all for listening. This has been Careless Whispers on CLNS Radio. Well, maybe he's back. Fooled you. Calvin, you still there, bud? Mm. Nope. Maybe not. Well. Maybe I will play the music again. Mm, uh, yeah, I'm going to play the music again for sure. Good night, everybody. Should we try this again? This is a fun way to end the show. Nope. Well, I can't hear him anymore. What other clips can I play? I like the way you work, kid. After you know your song, what are you singing? Yeah.